This is the Primal Ryan Podcast, and I'm Ryan Parnum, and I am passionate about helping average, everyday adults achieve great health. The ideas, opinions, and topics discussed in this podcast are mine and my own. None of what I say constitutes as medical advice. Please get clearance from your medical provider before embarking on any sort of nutritional or exercise program. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ryan Parnum here with the Primal Ryan Podcast. And today is uh, December 10th, 2023. And it has been a bit since I've uh, recorded and published a podcast. Um, my last one was several weeks back about uh, my ultra marathon journey. And I have had an extremely, extremely busy fall. Um, like I mentioned, I am in um, school, working on my doctorate degree, so that finished up last week, and it, that was just, it was very busy, and um, we went to, also went to Colorado for a short vacation in October, that was phenomenal, uh, just the four of us, my wife and my, my two kids, it was gorgeous, we had a blast, we rented a Toyota 4Runner and went on all these forest roads and off-road trails and just kind of made up our own adventures. Um, and it was just beautiful. I love Colorado. Um, for those of you that don't know, I was actually born in Colorado, so I feel like it's in my blood a little bit. Um, but I mean, I just, I love it out there. I mean, it's just, it's just gorgeous. There's, you know, you can do stuff all year long. Um, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. There's something outdoors to do, and you could live out there and do a new adventure every weekend, and you'd never never see it all in an entire lifetime. So anyways, if you've never been to Colorado or anywhere out west where there's mountains and and just, you know, millions and millions of, of acres that are uninhabited or mostly uninhabited, it's just a blast to get out there. And we also went to, you know, like Breckenridge and which was actually really nice. I'd never been there before. Um, it was obviously the slow season. It was really like the week before the ski season started. So it was kind of nice to go to Breckenridge without it being busy. We had perfect weather. I mean, it was just, it was just a great experience. It was a quick trip. We had a cabin in the mountains near Fair Play, which is like 45 minutes south of Breckenridge. I mean, we had you know, moose and mule deer going through our yard. We were at about around 10,000 foot elevation. It was just, it was awesome. So anyway, so I had a very, very busy fall and just, I've kind of scaled back my um, coaching a bit just with everything going on. Um, I, I, I'm still coaching a few people. If you're interested in working with me, I'm, I'm still taking people, um, you know, on a person to person basis. Um, so anyways, what am I, what's my training and nutrition looking like? Well, after the ultra marathon, I'm not doing as much cardio. I'm still doing cardio, of course, cause it's good for you. Don't do cardio for, for weight loss or fat loss. I've preached about that before. Do it because it's good for you. It's good for your heart, your brain, your overall body. People who, um, you know, do cardio and keep their VO2 max up, live longer, healthier lives. That is well known, well established you don't do it for weight loss. So I do cardio because I enjoy it to a certain degree. I enjoy running. I still trying to get out to Farmdale when I can. Um, otherwise I'll do, you know, anywhere from like three to four miles, occasionally maybe five miles in town. If I'm going out to Farmdale and maybe doing 
five miles. So nothing crazy, right? So I'm not putting in nearly as much uh, distance in as I was when I was, you know, training for the ultra. I just don't need to. I think too much cardio, like too much endurance stuff, it'll beat you up a bit, especially the older you get. And it actually can make you more susceptible to like upper respiratory infections and everything else. So I'm not looking to beat up my body 365 days a year. That's not the purpose of health and fitness. Okay. That's, there's a lot of people that do that, but you know, there's periods of time where maybe you train for an event and you do more volume, um, in terms of, you know, time exercising, doing cardio than you would otherwise. But those, for me, I, I, those are, those are a short period of relatively short period of time. I may pick one or two of those events max in a year, train accordingly leading up to it, and then get back to kind of my baseline maintenance. So for me, that's three days a week of cardio. I try to shoot for at least half an hour at a time. I'm still training, lifting weights four to five days a week. Most weeks it's five days a week. I'm um, going Monday through Thursday through the to the gym at 5.15 in the morning with my workout partner who I've been working out with for many, many years since like 2012. So that's, I still look forward to that um, every morning, wake up, have a purpose, get it done, start the day off with a, with a win, with a victory. Um, and uh, so weights Monday through, th- through Thursday, and then I'm usually getting a second weightlifting session in on either Saturday or Sunday, depending on my, what my weekend looks like. Today is Sunday, so I am planning on doing, um, so I do one leg session Monday through Thursday, so I usually do a second leg session on the weekend, usually Sunday. I'm going to do some squats. Uh, I do some balance work. I have a balance board where I'll do um squats on there, sometimes um, pistol squats on there to a chair, uh, Romanian deadlifts. It's important to do balance work as you get older. You know, your risk of falls goes up because people lose that um, neurological, um, that's called proprioception, where you have, you know, balance and catch yourself. People lose that if you don't keep it up. So I, I try to keep it up, right? So I don't want to be one of those old people that, that falls and ends up in a nursing home or something like that, or I'm going to try to prevent that as much as possible. So, um, highly recommend doing some balance work, even if it's just once a week. Um, so I'll do some of that and then I'll get into some, some squats and some uh, deadlifts and some, uh, maybe some uh, Romanian deadlifts. Uh, I'll do a little pull exercises, some pull-ups and, and those sorts of things. Anything I feel like I need to work on, I may add that in on a Sunday, but the primary focus is balance work and lower body. Um, so nutrition wise, uh, this summer I was doing, when I was training for the ultra, I was eating a lot more carbs just because of uh, increased energy demands. Um, I was doing probably 200 to 300 grams of carb most days. Um, I've cut back on that because carbs really should be titrated based off of activity and goals and that. So um, if you're doing endurance events and training and you need a lot of um, energy available, quick energy, then carbs are, are good for that because um, it's stored in your muscle as, as glycogen. Um, but, and if you're wanting to gain weight, I recommend increasing carbs because uh, the more, typically the more carbs you eat, the less satiated you are. That's why carbs get a bad rap. Now, carbs are not any better or worse than fat or, or protein from, you know, from if you're looking at pure energy balance, right? So if you're looking to gain weight, 
which most people aren't looking to gain weight, but people gain weight because they're in an energy surplus. If you're looking to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit, right? Um, the problem with carbs, they don't fill you up very well and they make you want to eat more. So, you know, 500 calories worth of carbs is essentially stored the same as 500 calories worth of protein and fat. But the problem is 500 calories of, of carbs isn't going to fill you up like 500 calories of protein is, which is why people tend to overeat carbs, especially highly refined and processed carbs. That's why highly processed foods are so addictive and so problematic for our society and the drinks, you know, the sugary drinks and all that kind of stuff, because it doesn't tell that signal in the body that, Hey, I'm, I'm full. It's like, signals your reward system where it's like, I want more and more and more and more. I mean, um, so that's, that's, that's the problem with carbs. The other problem with carbs is people aren't earning them, right? You need to earn them through exercise for the most part. So if you're training hard, whether that's lifting weights or doing cardio and that, like you're earning your carbs, right? You're using up the stored carbs in your muscles and stuff. So you have a deficit there that can be filled back up especially especially with like strength training and high intensity output stuff. But most people aren't doing that. Most people are, you know, the most exercise they get is walking from their recliner to the kitchen to get more carbs. <laughs> so um, that's why I don't think most people need a lot of carbs. Um, and, and that's why low carb diets work for a lot of people who don't really exercise a whole lot, right? Because it it helps put them in a calorie deficit because it shuts off all those signals of overeating and you have more satiety, especially if you're, especially if you're hitting up your protein levels where they need to be. Um, but you know, these rules don't apply to everybody because we're all different. If you're relatively lean, healthy, working out, doing high intense exercise in that, then you can have more, more carbs. Okay. Um, cause like I said, if you, gain weight, that's calorie surplus. If you want to lose weight, you got to be in a calorie deficit. If you want to maintain your weight, you keep kind of an isocaloric. And it honestly doesn't matter a ton how you you know put that together, despite what people say. But there are better strategies that work for, for other people, for some people better than others, right? So low carb works for a lot of people because most people are not lean and muscular and exercising a lot. Most people are relatively sedentary, have weight to lose, are insulin resistant or pre-diabetic. That's going, you know, that's like a, a, a pandemic really, uh, especially in our, if you want to talk about a pandemic, it's the metabolic health crisis, you know, so um, an epidemic at least, um, where people are metabolically unhealthy. And that's Essentially, it's 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 truly carbohydrate intolerance is what that is, right? We consume so much highly processed and refined uh, foods, and most of those are carbs, that our bodies don't have anywhere to store that. Um, we're running high insulin levels trying to compensate for that for years and years and years. So over time, the body becomes resistant to that insulin and that's setting the stage for metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes okay it's and that's basically carbohydrate intolerance which is why low carb diets work well for so many people because so many people are 20 30 40 50 years in on this unhealthy living too much junk food that their body is 
pre-diabetic, sometimes diabetic, they have metabolic syndrome, they have the obesity, the high triglycerides, the high blood pressure, probably high fasting insulin levels. By the time you get to high fasting glucose or blood sugar levels, that's way far down the road. So if you already are at a elevated glucose level, so if you're anywhere, I mean, generously would be above 100 to 110, that's, you know, diabetes knocking on the door. If you're consistently 90 to 100 fasting blood sugar, that's a warning. That's saying, hey, like things are getting a little bit out of control. I really think people need to be under 90, 70 to, to 90 fasting blood sugar. So if you're in that range, you're doing you're doing okay. Doesn't mean you don't have high insulin levels. Most doctors and healthcare practitioners are not checking fasting insulin levels. By the time, I'll repeat this again, by the time your blood, your fasting blood sugar levels are starting to rise, you're 10, 20 years down the road to diabetes, okay? Because the fasting insulin levels come first for a decade or decade or more um, sometimes, but very rarely are you know, standard regular practitioners checking fasting insulin levels. But that's most of our nation, right? Most of Western society is is on the path to diabetes. It is definitely, definitely an epidemic. And it's sad, too, because it's happening in younger and younger um, people, too, like in teenagers and even like grade school kids are developing type 2 diabetes, which is all lifestyle induced. So anyways, that's totally um, off on a tangent there from what I was going to talk about today. Um you know, so like last year I was eating more carbs because I was looking to put on weight, primarily muscle along is along with that's going to come some fat. Um, but I was looking to put on primarily muscle this winter. I'm not looking to do that. Um, so, you know, I'm going to keep the carbs. I don't even know between a hundred and up to 200 grams a day, depending on, uh, what I'm doing and, and what, you know, how I feel and how my body composition is. So, um, it's not low carb. I consider low carb really anything under about a hundred grams a day. And that works well for 90% of, of people. Um, but for those of you who might be similar to me, where you're relatively lean, you're exercising several days a week, you're going to have to just learn how to titrate your carbs to, to what works for you and for what your goals are. So, um, which brings me to the topic of today, which is, um, there are no solutions, only compromises. And I heard this statement on a podcast and I can't remember which podcast it was and whatever podcaster I was listening to, they had heard this statement from someone else. So I don't even, I don't even know who to give credit to for who originally said this, but I heard this statement. There are no solutions, only compromises. And it really resonated with me because I started thinking about that statement and applying it to, you know, many aspects of life. And it's like, you know, the, yeah, that, that really, really makes sense. Like, I think we are all searching for solutions to things in life. And that can be anything that can be personal, you know, family stuff, career, financial, obviously with our health and wellness, um, we're all searching for that solution when in fact there really are no solutions on this side of eternity, right? There really are no final solutions. There's only compromises that we make. And so what's an example of this? So you can take like your career financial sort of perspective on things. So, you know, I, I see a lot of people, um, who are in just that 
rat race of keeping up with the Joneses and wanting more and more and more like, and you know, that's kind of how our society is set up for, for a lot of us is that we're, we're always pursuing that next big thing. How do I continue to grow in my career? How do I make more money? You know, what can I, what can I do to uh, grow my, my wealth and how can I acquire this particular vehicle? How can I build my dream home? You know, I need to sell this house and build our dream home, which that's something I don't think actually exists. Um, and you may disagree with me, that's fine. Um, but that's kind of how, how our mindset is, or at least, you know, I, I, you know, I'm friends with, and I work with, and I'm, you know, with a lot of people who, who do, who are career driven people, really intelligent people. And, with this, and, and I bring myself into this as well, there's no solutions with this. I think we're, like I said, we're always searching for these solutions, right? We're searching for that perfect house, that perfect car, that perfect nest egg, that whatever we think that is. But the thing is, is like once you start acquiring those things, the bar just continues to get set higher. And that's can be fine or it can be dangerous because it's like, how hard are you going to pursue that? Because along with that pursuit of these things, there's going to be compromises, right? So um, in the pursuit of material, we'll just call it material possessions and that sort of thing, a higher salary, all that kind of stuff, there's going to be huge, huge compromises, right? And I see this all the time. And like, this is not always 100% across the board, every situation. I get that. So if you know somebody or your situation is different, great. Um, but in most cases, pursuing these things means you're going to sacrifice something else, right? So if your solution is a more prestigious career with a higher salary and more money and all that stuff, the compromise might be less time with your family. And that might start with less time with your spouse. So right off the bat, your marriage is compromised. And this is something I've seen over and over again. I work in the medical field. I work with a really lot, lot of high income earning um, people who have very you know prestigious jobs and um, from an academic standpoint and that. And, and, you know, that is their uh, um, solution, right? They think anyways, right? They're, they're approaching that, that solution of, of career satisfaction and um, financial independence and all this stuff. But, but with that comes huge, huge sacrifices on, on the personal front. And oftentimes I see, I see lots of broken marriages. I see, um, you know, poor relationships with their kids because they're, you know, if you're never home, right? If you're never home and your reason for existing is, um, uh, you know, your career, well, then the career is what's going to come first, right? So you may, you may be, um, you know, develop these amazing accolades and whatever your chosen profession is, and you may be rising up the ranks um, of your company, but the compromise to that is going to be, like I said, broken relationships starting with your family, probably a lot of superficial relationships because who has time for friendships, you know, when all you do is, is work, right? Um, your personal health. Um, I work in the medical field. Nobody is, looks healthy, that's for sure. I'll tell you that because um, they're too busy working too much. 
um, you know, doctors overall, medical professionals, I'll just, you know, lump everybody together. Some of the, the worst for living a healthy life. And really, they don't know anything about being healthy. They know how to treat disease with medications and surgeries and procedures, but they know nothing about being healthy because they themselves don't know how to be healthy, right? They're, they're too busy, too busy working all the time. Um, you know, and, and you trade, uh, you know, leisure activities, you know, whether that's exercise, uh, hunting, fishing, traveling, I don't know, you know, when you're so wrapped up in, in, in a career. So that's just one example, right? And, and your goal, their goal is to get to this nest egg. So their, their perspective changes too. They think, you know, like for, for most average people, if you retire with a, you know, two or three or four million dollars in 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 your nest egg, however, whatever that looks like of, of net worth, we'll say something that's going to provide income for you. People are going to be happy with that. But, you know, once you've raised the bar significantly and you're making, you know, significant, you know, high, high income, far beyond what most people are making. And you're involved in all these uh, investments and um or, 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 and you're trying to, to grow your net worth and all this sort of stuff that, that comes at a cost. And like I said, I'm not saying these are bad things. There's actually ways you can do these things and, and keep this balance and stuff. In fact, I know a few people who are actually really good at balancing all this stuff, but most people aren't, right? So, you know, now instead of, you know, being okay with, you know, two or three million in retirement, now you're wanting, you know, 20 million in retirement. So, but along my point with all this is that the more you pursue these quote unquote solutions, whatever you think are solutions, it's really full of significant compromises. And and, and the same thing goes the other way too. If you're just sort of laissez-faire and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to, I'm going to travel the country and with nothing but in my, you know, 99 Honda and just, you know, ask for donations and I'm going to write poetry and all that stuff. Like that doesn't turn out real well either. Right. So let's say, you know, you, you, when you're 18, 19 years old, you want to do that fine. But then, you know, you, you get to be, you know, 25, 30 years old and you meet somebody and, and you want to start a family on that. And guess what? You don't have any, you don't have any money. Right. So you've been, you know, too busy, you know, traveling the nation and, and, uh, in your 99 civic and, you know, eating granola bars and writing poetry. And, and that didn't really make you any money either. So, so now, now you're 30 years old and you want to buy a house and you need a new car because the 99 Civic has 400,000 miles on it now. And it's like, you have nothing in your name. So that's, you know, your, 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 your solution you were seeking is like, you know, personal peace, you know, bucking the system, not going to be part of the, you know, not going to follow the man. I'm not going to get into corporate America. Well, your trade off to that is now you're 30 years old and you, you own nothing you have no money and you met some person you want to you know you know get married and start a family but you have no assets or anything so in your quest for you know your peace uh peaceful life and all this stuff uh you know going against the grain you now have nothing so the point being is that there's you have to find balance in, in, in whatever it is you're pursuing so those are some uh, sort of, you know, dumb examples. Hopefully, hopefully I got the point across. So how does this apply to like training and nutrition, right? That's what this, this podcast. Yeah. I like to reflect on, on a lot of life stuff from a broad perspective, but it's primarily training, nutrition, healthy living. So, um, you know, so there's only, there's no solutions, only compromises. So, you know, people, uh, okay. So I'm, I want to, I want to 
be as big and muscular and strong as possible. Um, and I'm not going to do cardio because it's going to kill my gains and blah, blah, blah. So, so this is this person that's, they want to get big, they want to get strong, they're going to eat in a calorie uh, surplus and all that stuff. And what happens? They get big, they get strong, but what's the trade-off? The trade-off is that now they're big and strong, but they also have a lot of um, unhealthy body fat, um, and they still may develop health conditions associated with um, you know, inactivity, poor cardiovascular health, um, they have lifted heavy for so many years that their, their joints start hurting. Um, they get winded walking up a, a flight of stairs and they die at age 62 from a heart attack. Eventually, you know, it was all fun and games when they were, you know, 30 years old, maybe even 40 years old. But that mentality of, I'm only going to be big, strong. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat pancakes and, you know, six eggs and, um, you know, chocolate milk for breakfast. And then I'm going to go through McDonald's and get three Big Macs because I'm on a bulk. I'm on a constant bulk. I mean, you know, that, that comes with with a trade-off. Like, like I said, you can get away with that for a long time, but the chances of living to be 90 years old and being functional and healthy with minimal health problems and, and minimal medications is going to be going to be going to be pretty slim. So your solution in life is to be as big and strong as possible and 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 you're you're pursuing that solution with some huge compromises and compromises, you know, in your health. And the same thing can go the other way. You got the people that are the cardio junkies and I've talked about this before. So you want the the guy that's the guy or gal that wants to be the the sub 3 hour marathoner, they want to, you know, place high in these Ironmans and endurance events, ultra running, like some of the stuff I've done. So all they do is run, 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 run. And guess what? They're going to be vegan on top of it. Oh yeah. Cause it's so ethical and, 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 and so woke. So, okay. You're going to be vegan cause it's good for the environment and no animals are killed and all that kind of stuff. Lots of sarcasm there in case you couldn't tell. Um, so, so now, Okay, so so let's take a six foot guy who wants to do all this. Well, now he's 130 pounds and he's a really fast runner. And, and congratulations, you look like a you look like a skeleton, but that's okay. You're you're a really fast runner. You you reached your marathon goal or your triathlon goal or whatever. But guess what? Um, you have done no strength training. You're you're eating a protein deficient diet. You're malnourished on top of it all. So. The same person gets lots of upper respiratory infections. They don't even realize realize it, but they're actually developing um, osteoporosis. Their bone matrix is is dwindling because they're doing too much endurance training. They're doing not enough resistance training. They're not eating right, right? Because they're burning so many calories a day with their endurance training, they can just eat their, um, uh, you know, highly processed. Uh, vegan foods and beyond burgers and all that other garbage. Um, but they're not actually getting good quality protein and amino acids and all that. So they're, you know, at once again, at age 20 or 30 or 40, and sometimes even up to 50, they're doing all right. You know, they're placing, they're competing in their races, you know, they look emaciated because they are. Um, so they're trading off uh, long-term vitality. Okay. Cause by the time they get to be 60, 70, 80 years old, they're extremely brittle, extremely frail. Um, they, they, uh, have done very little resistance training. So they've, they, all that crazy endurance training has burned off all their muscle. 
Um, you know, they, so, you know, lack of muscle mass is associated with, uh, poor health span and lifespan. So, you know, all that exercise and somehow they still develop type two diabetes. And it's how, how can that be? I exercise so much. I'm vegan, but I still develop type two diabetes. Well, that's because you have no muscle mass. Okay. And, and muscle mass is the biggest protector against developing metabolic syndrome. Um, so the trade-off, so their solution, right? They wanted to be this amazing, endurance athlete at all costs and they did that at all costs right so there's so once again there's no real solution there because it came with heavy heavy compromises so the point with all this and both were very extreme examples but honestly i kind of see people take um in the health and fitness uh, space they take one extreme or the other it's like you've got these like meatheads in the gym they only lift they only eat you know high, high calorie stuff, a lot of garbage because, you know, they just want to be big, strong, macho men, right? And then you've got these crazy endurance athletes that are like emaciated and, um, and the vegan thing is, is, is a thing. I mean, I follow a lot of these athletes and stuff on their socials and that sort of thing. And for whatever reason, that endurance community is like just crazy into like vegan, excessive cardio. And man, that's just, that just rots the body away in a different way than, you know, eating excessive amounts of calories, lifting heavy, heavy weights all the time and eating garbage calorie surplus stuff does for the, for the meathead crew, you know? So the whole point of this is that we're all looking for these solutions, but, um, these, these, you know, strong one, you know, it's like, like narrow sided solutions come with significant compromises. So, you know, you got to find that balance in there and, and the compromises that, that come with, Say, okay, let me back up a little bit. If your solution is to be more balanced, that comes with its own compromises, right? So like my approach and, and which I think is I'm trying to do the most healthy approach because I've done both. I've done just sort of the heavy strength training. I've also done heavy cardio and I've experienced the negative things of, of both. So, you know, my approach is to be very balanced. I want to be um, like a hybrid athlete. I want to be able to age well and, and stay as healthy as possible. And that's, that's my goal, you know, and, and you could call that the solution or whatever, but it comes with compromises, right? So the compromise with that is going to be, um, I will never reach my full, full or likely never reach my full, full muscular slash strength potential, right? Because in order to, to reach my full muscular potential, strength potential, I would have to, um, focus most of my efforts only on strength training, eating in a calorie surplus most of the time, and being more of that meathead mentality, okay, to a certain degree. Where And also, like, I'm a decent runner, and I think if I, you know, there's times where I fully dedicated my training to mostly uh, trail running and that, and I did pretty well in, like, some local races. I'll never be, like, a top, top national racer or anything like that. But that came at the expense of significant muscle loss, okay? So I, um, you know, when I was in my early 30s, got really into that ultra training, and I still did some strength training, but the focus was running, 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 and I lost a lot of muscle. Did I get a lot faster? Sure. I won a race once. I placed, I don't know, you know, in my early 30s, I think I placed fifth in one of those races. So I was doing well. I was reaching my own you know, time goals and all that stuff, but it came with a price, right? I lost muscle mass. Um, 
I uh, got upper respiratory infections. So the stuff I just talked about in terms of too much endurance. I was never vegan, but my nutrition was always pretty good. Other than, other than I probably wasn't eating enough calories. So there was trade-offs to that, to that, you know, going after that speed goal, that time goal or whatever. So I, I feel like the years of doing this for so long have helped me um, uh, strike a better balance. And, and there's times probably where I'm, uh, off balance on, on something else. Um, and, and that's why there's no f- final solution to this stuff because you're, you're never done learning and, 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 and you get into these different like modes where like, you know, I want to get my bench press up to 300 pounds. So you focus solely on that. And then that comes with a compromise of, Oh man, now my shoulder hurts or, um, you know, you're, you're pushing too hard and you're not recovering well. Or, you know, you flip it to the other way, like, oh, I want to, you know, place in the top 10 in this uh, uh, ultra race, you know, so then you do tons and tons of cardio and, and you're getting injured and you're getting sick and you're losing too much weight and all that stuff. So just learning how to strike that balance and keeping the bigger, the bigger goal in mind is to have lifelong good health, good fitness not spend time in the doctor's office, not be on prescription medications. Like, like that's my, my quote unquote solution. Right. And, and there's going to be compromises that come with that. Some that are even unforeseen, you know? So, um, and maybe that's maybe, maybe my quest for great health and great fitness, um, gets in the way of me being able to do other things with my career where I'd make more money simply because like there's only so many hours in the week. Right. Um, and, and my goal is to, uh, you know, for me, like my, my training is non-negotiable. Like that's not something I would ever give up for any job or any amount of money because, you know, the older I get good health and time are huge, huge assets. In fact, one of the reasons I'm back in school to get my doctorate degree is so I can teach eventually teach full time, at the post-grad level, and I want to do that remotely, and I'll probably make less money, significantly less money than what I'm making now. In fact, I don't think I will make less money than I'm making now, but I don't, I'm not doing it from a financial perspective. I'm doing it from a time perspective. That's another example, right? Um, it's a trade-off, right? If my my goal, my solution, my thing I'm trying to achieve is, is more time, because time is an asset, for me personally, and this isn't the case for everybody, for me, it's pursuing a degree so I can do something that allows me to work remotely and teach, which is something I love doing. But the compromise is I'm probably going to make less money. The, the, the benefit is I'll have more time. So there's, like I said, there's just, there's no solutions to these things. I'll be doing something I enjoy, teaching re- remotely, having more time you know, out of the hospital, out of the office, um, being able to travel winter in Florida if I want to eventually the trade-off will be I'll make less money, but that's okay. That's, that's like a compromise I'm willing to, to take, you know? So you have to ask yourself these things in life. Um, and remember that there's no solutions there's only compromises. It's good to have goals, but you're never going to reach that final solution. So just keeping that in mind. So hopefully that makes sense. I was very long winded today. Um, I'll try to crank out a few more podcasts, uh, over winter break since I'm out of school and have a little bit more time. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Primal Ryan podcast. For more information, check out PrimalRyan.com.